Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, would you love to hear us give the same treatment to Futurama? Who would do a thing like that? Who could do a thing like that? Then you'll be delighted to know we're doing just that for Futurama's entire first season. Hey, when you look this good, you don't have to know anything. And it'll only be available for people who donate at the $5 level to the Talking Simpsons Patreon. Oh god, no! And along with 13 episodes of Talking Futurama, you'll get all 23 episodes of Talking Critic, the entire first season of Talking Simpsons, monthly community podcasts, interviews with Simpsons writers, and so much more! Shut up and take my money! Remember, go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get your hands on podcasts from the world of tomorrow! I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons Famous for our in-your-face humanity. I'm your host, Lavatory Linksman Bob Mackey, and this is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Uh, Henry Gilbert, and I gotta wear this shirt with Dairy Queen Gimme. <laughs> and on the line we have... Non-sexual Playboy Mansion Steven Seda. <laughs> and today's episode is Scenes from the Class Struggle in Springfield. We're, we're not poor. <laughs> well, we're not. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> Today's episode aired on February 4th, 1996, and Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh, my God! Oh, boy, Bobby. Black Sheep beats Junior on their box office debuts. <laughs> Gene Kelly passes away at 83, as does Audrey Meadows, a.k.a. Alice Cramden, a.k.a. Beatrice Simmons of season two of Simpsons fame, who died at age 69. I didn't mean to make uh, a 69 guy. Oh, no. I'm sorry. So I want Steve to tell us who he is because I do want to ask a movie-related question. Of course, Henry and I know who Steve Sadak is, but Steve, if people have never heard your podcast, who are you and what do you do? I am an internet troll disguised as a podcaster. No, I am. <laughs> we do a, uh, a movie podcast show, a bad movie podcast show called We Hate Movies. Uh, we've been doing it somehow since 2010. We have uh, a bunch of fun episodes on bad movies. We're right now in the midst of a listener request month that is not treating us very well. Uh, <laughs> but this year, some highlights. We did The Boss Baby. Uh, oh. I'm trying to think of other fun episodes oh. we've done. in The the Jerky Boys movie was really good. The Jerky Boys movie, Rather, yes. That, your, if, your, if you're your a 90s was good. kid and you don't know what the Jerky Boys are, good for you. But <laughs> uh, if you happen to know what they are, yeah, we just kind of, it's, it's an improvised movie show where we both kind of review and skewer a movie and kind of fun, use uh, bad to somewhat less bad funny voices to uh, make fun of them. This is a real treat for me because I am a We Hate Movies super fan. In fact, I found <laughs> you guys somehow in your uh, single digit episodes. I remember I was reading the Podmass feature and one of you was posting in the comments, like, check out our podcast because it is still hard to break into the Podmass feature on the AV Club if you're not in LA. And I don't even know if Podmass still exists anymore, but I, I made it into there like once or twice. It's very difficult. Oh, I was begging them to cover me. Yeah, it was uh, that was that was my gimmick for, and that I think that shook the tree for like finding a lot of li- new listeners because obviously AV Club and us kind of it dovetailed nicely. But I just I was the guy that I never pretended to be somebody that I wasn't. <laughs> at least I was always like very upfront, like hat in hand. Like if you're on the bus, like excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I have a <laughs> podcast. If you would like to listen to it, da 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 da. And I got made fun of mercilessly, but I feel like. 
it was somewhat beneficial because I got Bob Mackie out of the deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's a package deal. Yeah, I mean, I think I started with the episode uh, The Wrong Guys, the Louis Anderson ep- uh, movie. Maybe that was episode six or something, but I've been with you guys since the, the beginning. My goodness. And, oh, wow. Yeah, back when there were much fewer podcasts, so I was like, I'll give this podcast a try. Now when someone tells me about a podcast, I'm like, I'm not doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, actually, just today I went through like I listened half listened to five podcasts, and I'm like, well, I'll get to the other one later because I need to get to the the next one. It's 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 piling up. I have I've run out of the things I do while listening to a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> well, I need to find a new video game to play so I can listen to these podcasts while sitting still. I need to dirty more dishes so I can wash them. <laughs> yeah. Now, a, a favorite of mine. Uh, this was a Bob recommendation as well. Was the Nightmare on Elm Street six one because you just destroy Freddy Krueger. It, it's such a pointless film. My my favorite joke you guys did in it was about how Tom Arnold and Roseanne are, are billed as Tom and Roseanne Arnold, which is so fake and phony. And then you start into a very funny bit about uh, Tom Arnold starring in Fat Horse. <laughs> yeah, uh, anytime an actor, truth be told, we're a bunch of fat guys. We're very proud of that fact. But anytime anyone is, sl- any a man is slightly overweight, we kind of go to town because, you know. Self-hating fat guys and all that. And I would like you to remind me, Steve, which episode is the bit about uh, pizza insurance? And because I was like crying uh, with laughter about uh, a sad man going up to Domino's and saying, Mr. Domino's. <laughs> oh, that is uh, uh, Traces of Red, oh. which is a Jim Belushi movie that no one should ever see. Oh, that's and right. I feel like that's the fun part of the format is like these movies, we do tell you what the movie is enough where I hope you don't have to go watch the movie first. Yeah, I think I've discovered some great ones through your podcast. Of course, I never, I would never watch the movies because of your episodes, but things like Ghosts Can't Do It and Blame It on Rio, <laughs> well, like yeah. just vile, disgusting movies <laughs> made by like just these total passion projects by egomaniacs. Just like, oh my God. Yeah, just yeah, we just did the tar- uh, John Derrick's other Look at my wife's breast movie, oh. uh, Tarzan the Ape Man. Two of my favorites are the ones of like the ruin my childhood ones of <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was 12, 13, 14, or even younger, watching films like My Father the Hero and Sidekicks. <laughs> I was like, well, these are normal films for a young man like me because they star people my age. And when you guys revisit them, it's like, oh, this is very troubling, or this was <laughs> child abuse. Like, this is filmed <laughs> child abuse here. Yeah, that one gets a little creepy or a lot creepy. Especially with Gerard Padu's face. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've read uh, Nathan Rabin's recent review uh, of Ladybugs, the Rodney Dangerfield movie, but I feel like that could be a perfect We Hate Movies because it does like it's a it's a weird movie that also sexualizes the preteen mm-hmm. for the sake of the young audience, and I just was like kind of cringing reading his review. I kind of yeah, I that's an absolute perfect one, and also like when now I'm watching movies, especially with like, all like which is something we don't really talk about on the show, but like the Weinstein stuff and all like the child abuse stuff you about here about Hollywood anytime like there's like the hot boy in the junior high school or the hot girl in the junior high school like somebody had to cast that kid yeah and yeah no I think a lot I I unfortunately think a lot about that now and within the wake of those news it kind of makes it impossible to see any Thing or like or say watch all that perhaps and, uh, <laughs> oh boy yeah, it's yeah uh, there there were some crimes happening on all that this is this <laughs> oh is, i didn't know that oh that's tr- yeah. terrible uh watch yeah no it's sad uh watch the documentary open secret you'll you'll oh. learn some things so uh back to the news <laughs> i do, <laughs> yeah, do want to talk about uh well i did want to talk about we have movies it's great yeah, but yeah. i do want to talk about black sheep because i was there as a big chris farley fan in 1990 what year for uh, 1996 six, six. Or february yes. 96 i was there day one and and I liked it. I remember a, a friend's mom took us 
And after the movie, she said, that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and reflecting on it, like, shortly afterward, I was like, oh, they sort of just, they, they said, Tommy Boy's a good movie. Let's just do that again. And it is sort of the same movie. Would- I was fine with them doing it again as a kid. I was like, yeah, I liked that movie. Just do it again. Yeah. It's funny. I, and I like the characters. I like the jokes. But I did want to ask Steve, I hate giving people recommendations for things to do on their podcast because that's what people do to me all the time. But <laughs> would, would you consider doing Black Sheep or do you think it, it might be tasteless to make fun of a movie with a, a man who shouldn't have died so young? I, it's, I guess it's kind of weird. I think that movie's in the nostalgia zone probably for it. I, I want to say at least Chris and probably Andrew as well. I never had any kind of love for that movie. It, yeah, I think that it's it, it, it's weird with Farley, obviously. Probably Beverly Hills Ninja might be the one. Oh, yeah. Or even Almost almost Heroes, I think, is which is weirdly That's his really... like companion dead fat guy movie with John Candy <laughs> with the other one, Wagons uh, East. Like, oh, like, God, yeah. If you're, if you're an overweight comedian, never make a movie set in the Old West. That would Don't be the it. worst double feature ever, a Wagons <laughs> East. Uh, I, oh. I totally forgot the other name of the movie. Go West, wasn't it? Or, no, oh, but, uh, oh, no, Almost Heroes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, one of them has Matthew Perry, I yeah, think. Yeah, Matthew Perry Weird. was a Farley one, yeah. Yes, yeah, Beverly Hills Ninja would be the best one, I think. It's got, like, Chris Rock before he was famous, and mm-hmm. um, and I was there day one for that one as well. Oh, me too. Well, I was happy to see Liu Kang of Mortal Kombat in another movie. That's right. Not just- so, yeah, I always thought that the Mortal Kombat... I, I stopped thinking this, but I thought the Mortal Kombat cast got the short thrift in Hollywood. I was like, why isn't Lyndon Ashby in more movies? <laughs> you know, as uh, Bob and me were both in the video game press as well, so we had to watch a lot of awful video game movies. I have to say, I still think the Mortal Kombat is the best video game movie because it's just, it knows it's a, like a shitty uh, action movie knockoff. That's all it needs to be. I, I 100% agree. I think that's like the godfather of video game movies. Sad, sadly, right? I mean, yeah. like, yeah. I, don't, I haven't heard anything about this new Tomb Raider movie one way or another if people are liking it or not. It doesn't look great. Uh, the reviews I've read are just like, it's safe. It's careful. Yeah. yeah, and I respect the Mortal Kombat movie because it was like, Mortal Kombat is hot. Let's make a movie. The next mm. year, there's a movie. Tomb Raider <laughs> has a reboot five years ago. They finally make the movie. But, uh, actually, Assassin's Creed has not been hot for like, I don't know, nine, nine, ten years, maybe eight years. Mm-hmm. They finally made that movie. Like, I, Hollywood yeah. used to be a little braver about video game movies. Though, hey, spoilers for that Tomb Raider movie I found out, but who cares, honestly. <laughs> but, well, this is the spoilers. It does a thing that I hate. I cannot stand in previews. And they did it, I found out reading about what a post credit scene is, isn't it? So, in the trailers, they have this scene that's your shout out to the dorks who love old Tomb Raider to be like you should watch this and swear she buys dual pistols from nick frost and she he's he's uh, like oh you like two guns she's like i'll take both of these or something like that <laughs> and so i was like oh well so that scene's in the movie so cool she'll be shooting two guns i find out that that is the post credit scene that's like teases if you, we make another one she'll have two guns in it huh? uh, like, oh, oh. that is flip to quote the Simpsons, that is flagrant f- false advertising. Exactly. Right? Like, hey, I'm buying a ticket to this movie for the two gun scene, please. Yeah. With Nick Frost, too. Like, it also promised you Nick Frost in a movie, which he barely is in, from my understanding. And yeah, frankly, I don't need a Lara Croft origin movie. Just raid the fucking tombs. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> when is she well, I'm just kind of, I'm trying to think of what the post credit scene could have been, like, you know, in the dark, uh, in Batman Begins when they establish the Joker. If it's like, you know, somebody gives her, oh, that <laughs> we've been getting these robberies and they turn over a card 
and it's just a snake, I guess. Like what? <laughs> a giant I don't know what her T-Rex. Were. I, she fights a big T-Rex. Okay. Honestly, I know too much about the Tomb Raider mythology. Uh, uh, <laughs> though this time there's no John Voight in it, unfortunately. Oh, but, uh, that's a good thing, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, but hey, Stephen. So what what is your personal history with the Simpsons? Like, I you you seem of our generation and a, a funny nerd. So I can guess how you came to it. But but how how did you? I I kind of remember just sort of vaguely watching this, even on the Tracy Ullman show. And oh, I'm not. Wow. I don't, I don't feel like I'm 55 years old, but for some reason, I uh, I remember like just my family kind of lining up and watching the Tracy Ullman show, and that The Simpsons were my favorite part of that. And then it sort of was like, oh my god, this Christmas special, and then it became my favorite show forever until I think the last. Obviously, like most people, I kind of stopped watching. It's been mm. 30 years of this. My the last one I ever watched was actually in Andrew Jupin's college dorm room. We were watching, <laughs> I think, the uh, the one where uh, it's season 14, where I think uh, Lisa gets bumped up to th- uh, third grade and Bart kind of stays at third grade. Mm. Does that oh make sense? yeah, they meet in third grade, and yeah. it has kind of an uncomfortable scene in it where. Oh no, wait! I'm getting, I'm going to get confused with the one where she poses as a boy when they split the school into boy and girl schools in a. Uh, yeah, I don't particularly like that its view on gender in that one to be sure but yeah in that one it's weird she gets beat up by nelson while dressed as a boy and it just oh, feels God. very strange they don't show it on camera they just show her like crying in a room later after being with Jesus. a black guy and it's like wow <laughs> i don't want my mind to fill in the blanks on that one but yes uh, <laughs> no. so this episode i want to say uh i hung on to the simpsons until like season 19 I've, I've come back recently to watch some episodes but in the 10 years or 12 years since i this episode aired that i watch i feel like this is like the ultimate marge episode it's all oh, about yeah. marge it has a female writer and a female director there's there's some captain wacky stuff in there with homer but it mm-hmm. is also uh, a very interesting look at class which the simpsons used to be about in the beginning mm-hmm. and they're briefly going back to say no this is a very economically troubled family they have a different lifestyle than you know most upper class people it's mm-hmm. it's really unique in my eyes they're upper lower middle class that's and true it comes through in this now i when i was a dumb wiener kid this was one of my <laughs> least favorite episodes in my when I would go through the VHS and I think back on it now I was like well because I was 13 and I just thought this story's about like moms being sad I I don't get this this let's get let's fast forward to uh Bart and Krusty the Clown in the next episode I need to get to that I've got a sad mom right here yeah. I don't need to watch it on TV <laughs> yeah I think th- I always kind of like the Simpsons class stuff and actually like it's fun how just in just another season they like kind of flip that on their head with Frank Grimes as he comes to their yeah. house and like calls it a palace <laughs> which I was you know I, uh, lower middle class as a kid and I kind of always thought about that I live in a couple bedroom apartment in the Bronx and I was always like look at their house look how fucking huge it is mm-hmm. There's like they have a yard and like the Frank Grimes I didn't live above a bowling alley and below a bowling alley but you know <laughs> I kind of saw that I, I actually do love when they play with this kind of stuff yeah mm-hmm. I actually have a similar experience Steve we're, we're going into Bob Mackey origins now but uh, I grew up a uh, fairly poor uh we lived with my grandma for like five or six years before we entered the middle class officially and i remember just feeling resentful after going to a quote-unquote rich person's home really they were middle class and then coming back like why don't we have nice things yes and then as i get older like being very conscious like marge is like i don't know how to interact with these people i don't know what all of these norms are i'm just very uncomfortable so i really this episode really speaks to me as someone who 
had to like who kind of graduated classes and had to adapt mm. i i like its view on class more now and especially though also uh, it goes so far into marge that it kind of colors future episodes like you you get to see the the actual sadness that's beneath her sometimes or just her regret or shame that she feels and they try their best to step it back at the end of this episode but it still feels like no she feels a lot of shame it seems like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of sad you always like why can't this lady get out you know what <laughs> i mean like it's uh you know she's she's like good looking for the show she's smart cultured etc cetera, etc cetera. it's like man she's got she just made a couple of the wrong choices and one of which is homer oh yeah yes, that's for yeah. sure it's, it's as as they underline in this episode and before we get started i want to point out one very very important fact that we learned from uh showrunner at this time bill oakley in our second interview is that he wanted to get uh the actress stockard channing to play evelyn uh the main rich lady it's mm-hmm. tress mcneil in the final version but he was talking about how you kids don't understand who stockard channing was but she was huge <laughs> so <laughs> so she she was Rizzo in the live action film version of Grease, and also First Lady Bartlett in West Wing. I think okay. those are our two biggest roles. But when you see a picture of her, you're like, oh, her, she's the lady and stuff. Like, <laughs> she was the one that was always hiding Martin Sheen's MS in that show. Yes. She, it was. It always fell on her shoulders. She didn't get a ton to do on that show compared to Oscar winner Allison Janney. <laughs> no, no. I also think, um, I actually kind of love when that happens in The Simpsons, when somebody backs out and a utility player gets to like kind of get a bigger role. Because I actually mm-hmm. think that the voice performance of Evelyn is really good. Yeah, that's uh, that was a point Bill Oakley made too about like it was unfortunate they didn't get a, a famous person for it for like advertising sakes. But Tress McNeil rarely gets to be a lead voice in any of this. She's just kind of, until until the creation of the character Susie Nagel, like she didn't really have even a regular stock character in The Simpsons. Or I guess Agnes. She had Agnes. Yeah, yeah. it's a very, uh, I think, distinct voice for her. A lot of her voices blend together. She, she's always has like you know Lindsay Nagel voice you hear in a lot of places you hear the the cranky old lady voice in a lot of places this one is it kind of sounds like Diane Keaton or something like that it's <laughs> yeah. very unique yeah and uh, like Bob mentioned this is a first for the Simpsons it is written by Jennifer Crinton directed by Susie Dieter so a whim, woman pairing on animation which I believe the only time that had been done before this in American animation was on the critic with the episode a little devil do you the debutante episode which was written by Nell Scoville and directed by L.H. Damn it. Well, Lauren McMullen. Lauren McMullen. McMullen. Yeah. I was try- I was forgetting her uh, her fake name where she had. To- it's very convoluted, and they put that episode up against the Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding yep. duel. They duels. <laughs> <laughs> Like like the end of Hamilton, man. They do. Yeah, <laughs> but it's this is a really it is something that The Simpsons really failed to explore a lot. Is even you know I I feel like I'm just promoting our interview with Bill Oakley now for the eleventh <laughs> time. But when we asked him about Jennifer Crinton and her short time on the show, uh, which I also didn't know she was married to Simpsons writer Jace Richdale as well for a time. But mm-hmm. uh, but when he talks about her brief time on the show, he definitely says they were he regrets that it was a bit of a boys' club. And you see the kind of opportunities for stories that they missed out on i think by not having as many women on the staff until recently and even now i i highly doubt they're at 50 50 parody on the simpsons i don't staff, think so you know? but this is a very this is the kind of episode i feel like you need a woman's perspective for like they talk about how normally the lowest writer on the totem pole would be assigned a marge script and they oh, often wouldn't want to do a marge episode they found her boring to write for at times yeah so. they treated marge scripts like boot camp almost <laughs> like if you can survive the marge episode you can write for mr burns or homer or Bart. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I think that Marge on the Lamb is probably one of my favorite episodes. This is a sneaky, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when you when you gave me the sheet of stuff to do, it popped out of me not just because the title, but like I don't know. I just there's a lot of really good lines in this episode that wind up in my vernacular as we'll kind of go. Oh go yeah, through. yeah. Well, why don't we start at the beginning then here with uh, Abe trying to fix a television. <laughs> Dios no me ama. I want to see what's on the other broadcast. Where's the oscillator on this thing? No, Grandpa, no. Dad, darn it. What is this do? Oh, I'll make my adjustments here and... Abe, Abe is injured in that. He falls down with <laughs> some pain in that. It's a pure chaos. Every character is saying a different thing as he's like fiddling with uh, the <laughs> oscillator. I, I didn't realize Bumblebee Man said, God doesn't love me until this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I kind of love when I, I will say I don't like I'm not a big fan of Abe, Abe episodes, but mm-hmm. any like punching down on the elderly <laughs> that happens on this show that is that goes like almost un, unremarked on mm-hmm. is the is my favorite. It's like I love how Grandpa fucks it up and they just leave him at the <laughs> retirement home for the rest of the episode. And it's funny because none of us will get old. Yeah, no. it'll never happen. Never happen. Uh, I mean, it's a nice heavy dose of grandpa at the start of him saying all of his nonsense words. And I forgot to get in the, I do love how Homer says he wants that corn so much. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like they're on their way to a new TV. Yay! We're We're getting getting a a new TV! TV! Let's go to the Sharper Image. They've got a TV shaped like a 50s diner. No, let's go to the Nature Company. They got a TV assembled by Hopi Indians. We can't afford to shop at any store that has a philosophy. (laughs) Just need a TV. We're going to go to the outlet mall in Ogdenville. I got some things to say about this. So the Nature mm-hmm. Company started in 1972 here in Berkeley. Whoa. And they branched out across America. They were rebranded as the Discovery Channel Store yes. in 1996. And we had one of those in our mall. And uh, by 2001, all of them shut down. <laughs> so another case of hippies selling out to corporations mm-hmm. and then being punished for it. And at least people got laid off in the process. It's true. <laughs> no, the uh, both of those stores, I think it's real great observation that Lisa and Bart are into those because they were what I gravitated to immediately in the all like i would i would definitely in the video game store first but then one of the a store with a rain stick would just get me right in the door but i but then when i look back at him like who bought this stuff exactly Whoever, this is just a toy i've never seen a human being buy anything from the sharper image either mm-hmm. i don't know how that works i just feel like it's a place you lounge it's sort of like the Sky Mall catalog. It's just things you laugh at, like, oh, that's the world's biggest crossword puzzle. Well, my flight's my flight's done. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm out. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about outlet, outlet malls, though, because I was a frequenter of outlet malls because my family was very cheap. And my grandma would take me to the Grove City Outlet Mall in Grove City, Pennsylvania, where it still exists to this day. And if you have not been to outlet malls, they basically are very strange. They have things you won't see anywhere else because they're just sent there by the distributor. There's no middleman. So, mm. like, in the outlet mall I would go to, there would just be, like, a clothing brand would have its own store. Like, there'd be a fucking big dog store. If you remember <laughs> yes. the, the oh, big yeah. dog line of t-shirts, mm-hmm. they would have it. They would have their own store. It's like, I've never seen this big dog shirt before. Despite being a fat kid, I did not wear a lot of uh, big dog as a kid. I was more, uh, and I wasn't a big Johnson kid either. I mainly, uh, like, <laughs> I, I mainly wore far side t-shirts. You, stayed, you stayed on the porch is what you're saying, Henry. You could not run with the big dogs. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I was always afraid of the big, I, don't, I didn't want to invite that comparison. You know what I mean? Like, look, I look like a big fat St. Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
Yeah, I I also went to the outlet mall in uh, in my area was the outlet mall in St. Augustine, Florida, but it was similarly remote to the one in Ogdenville in this episode too because I guess, you know, in the again in the cheapness of it, you go where there's cheap real estate, meaning the middle of nowhere. Where oh, there's yeah. no uh, you just have an exit built for you for the outlet mall. That was Grove City, and I have to say the bookstore at that outlet mall was just like where all the bookstores sent their books that they couldn't sell. <laughs> and at that book uh, that bookstore I bought my first copy of A Life in Hell book Whoa. and on the same day i bought the official Ernest book so <laughs> one of those i still have <laughs> probably a lot of copies of sign language too oh uh, god yes uh every paul riser book there <laughs> two outlet store memories i remember from the saint augustine one one was buying one of my first cds which was aerosmith's get a grip which could not have been cooler in 1994 <laughs> uh, and then second was we would go to the converse outlet store because converse was my brand i had i had a black t-shirt that was just the converse logo Ooh. on it i owned multiple of them because i was like well this one's wearing out i need to get another one and and i would stock up on converse until my little brother made fun of it saying they were clown shoes <laughs> and then we went to a barnum and bailey circus and the one of the clowns literally had on oversized converses and i was like well i'm ruined i can't <laughs> time for vans no more oh my no more god converse. well those are the shoes of sonic the hedgehog they make you cooler <laughs> Yeah, just a classic look. I, I think my I, I would never. Uh, there was a outlet mall called Woodbury Common in Long Island, but my little kid, uh, what I think my outfit is going to be was those old Looney Tunes shirts that were oh, black yeah. that had the colored ring and then a, a single character on them. Mm-hmm. And I tried to collect those and thought that that was going to be my brand. Uh, <laughs> would they be uh, rapping or perhaps scratching a record on those shirts? <laughs> No, no, no. I, those those I avoided, uh, although those were all the rage back then. Oh, I like sure. the ones of Tweety Bird saying, like, step off. Or, uh... <laughs> yes. Everyone was, like, crisscross for some reason. <laughs> no, and... I, I think I had those. I had one of the Daffy Duck, but it was just his bill and the eyes on a black T-shirt. I had that oh, one. Oh, yeah, stark and interesting. <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. If Sipowitz supported this podcast on Patreon, would you do it too? I know I would. If you went to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, just like Sipowitz, you can support us for just $5 a month. Me and Bob do this full time. That's how we get awesome guests and do so many cool podcasts, not just talking Simpsons, which we offer a week early and ad free to Patreon supporters, but also a ton more like our weekly show. What a cartoon, our weekly Patreon exclusive podcast, talking Futurama, where we're going through the entire first season of Futurama in order in the same Simpsons style or talking critic our completed patreon exclusive series where we went through every episode of the critic from the beginning even the webisodes it's all there at patreon.com slash talking simpsons which is sipowitz's favorite website so why don't you go there today and give us at least as much support as sipowitz Whether you're listening to this at home or at Spurlock's Cafeteria, you probably love it, right? 
And if you do but want to hear us talk about more cartoons in the same style, like Batman the Animated Series, King of the Hill, Steven Universe, Beavis and Butthead, and more, you can hear all that on our newest podcast, What a Cartoon. Me, Bob, and a guest go through a different cartoon and its series and history each week by spotlighting a specific episode in Talking Simpsons style. You can look for it today in all of your iTunes machines, or if you're a supporter on Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, you can listen to every episode a week early and free for the same pledge that you get for all the other stuff. Give it a listen. They get to the Gray Market Superstore, which <laughs> that's quite a sign gag. I, man, I, I think I used, I called a, it a Sorny PlayStation for many years, <laughs> thanks to this line. <gasps> Look at these low, low prices on famous brand name electronics. Don't be a sap, Dad. These are just crappy knockoffs. <laughs> I know a genuine Panaphonics when I see it. <laughs> and look, there's Magnetbox and Sorny. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Those are all superior machines. <laughs> but if you like to watch your TV, and I mean really watch it, you want the Carnivale. It features two-pronged wall plug, pre-molded <laughs> hand grip well, durable outer casing to prevent fall apart. So, you wrap it up, I'll start bringing in the pennies. Oh, I love uh, to pre- to prevent fall apart. Yes. <laughs> He's trying to be technical uh, about it won't break. Like yeah, it well it has it has an outer casing that keeps parts inside yes. of it. That's all he's saying. What an innovation! Uh, it's, it's it's like those old DVD uh, uh, um, when when you get an older DVD and we're like it has a- a- animatronic menus or yes. anamorphic menus. Like wow, it's like uh, chapter it's got a select. <laughs> yeah, this DVD has chapters. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I love that line, and I also I remember. When I watched this originally uh, as a kid, being disappointed that they got the same television, because <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is the time when the Simpsons are going to get a brand new TV." And like, I was on Bart and Lisa's side, I guess. I kind of wanted the big fancy TV for them, and then they just <laughs> got the same one. And it's also cool in the beginning here with the TV shopping, you get the first clues of their station in life, their income, because like Homer's paying for the uh, the TV and saved up pennies. Yeah. Lee, Marge even says, we don't have enough money to get a cool TV. You're getting all this right up front. And uh, though we also get to see class-wise where the Simpsons are above, we get a nice appearance of Cletus and a debut here of oh, a character. goody. Honey, I don't think these clothes are us. Who are they? Hi, Brian Dane. You can wear that shirt to work. Oh, Cletus, you know I gotta wear the shirt what Dairy Queen give me. <laughs> I love that. That is great. Yes, the Simpsons are at least above uh, Cletus yes. and Brandy. <laughs> so that is the first appearance of Brandine. First off, I want to correct the Simpsons wiki. Oh, no. The Simpsons wiki says her first appearance is 22 short films. It is wrong. That is her right there and even named Brandine. So it's not like you'd say, oh, she's a different character. She is drawn and looks like the Brandine we know. And in that episode, Cletus is recommending her another clothing item. Yes. A like pair a pair of, of shoes. Boots. Uh, boots, right? <laughs> yes. Which one? <laughs> Woman of more distinguishing taste. Well, and, and Brandine, in case you don't know, is the wife, mother, sister of Cletus. Uh, thanks to the number of uh, flanderized jokes on Cletus, she's she's basically every type of relative that he can be to her. Uh, it'll be a few years before we get to Diabetti. Oh, God. Oh, oh, I love Diabetti. <laughs> it's so weird that they have to 
obscure the Chanel suit name on there. It feel, mm. I wonder if it was like they're worried about getting sued by Chanel or if they had a rule of like you can't advertise a real. It'd be considered advertising if you put a name brand on this. I don't know. Maybe they can say Chanel. Like you they, can say yeah. you can say Pepsi, but you can't show a logo because a logo is trademarked. Mm. You need to pay for it or something. Something like really like legally like that. Or I've heard that like, well, if we say that Pepsi uh, thing, if they put in a Pepsi, then Coke, who's advertising, is like, hey, yeah. we, f- we fucking paid for advertising advertising on this i don't know who's going to advertise four thousand dollar dresses on the simpsons now. <laughs> no so it's it's anel on the P thing here okay. and at the end we get to see shuh on the on the billboard but we never see the full word on it though i as a 13 year old didn't know what a chanel dress was <laughs> so i i guess i learned i learned something that day but you, we get to see how the the dress does look great on marge i love how they draw it on her and that you should just buy a if I saw that deal, even if I never wore that dress, I'd be like, this is $90. This is marked down 98%. I'm going to buy this. Like, yeah. I- and if you're right, Henry, that and if you go to other episodes where they try to dress up Marge or make her look different, like if you go back to Marge gets a job, even on the commentary, they look like they say Marge looks like a monster in this like <laughs> in this pantsuit. She looks terrible. But mm-hmm. again, it's a woman director. It's like, this is how a woman should look in a nice dress. Yeah. And also we continue our uh, weird obses- obs- obsession with Jackie Kennedy because it is a very Jackie Kennedy dress. Mm-hmm. That is true. No, yeah, it's it's a very it's a good look on Marge, and it's I guess it's a difference you can tell in the deleted scenes for the Springfield Connection. In that one, they draw a scene where like Marge take you see Marge in a bra. It's just like, well, okay, this is what happens when a man draws Marge. <laughs> Maybe with a woman director, they they won't. It's a uh, very it's a very lacy bra too. Yes. Uh, somebody who's having fun with that scene. Uh, but yeah, also I love this scene here, but. Uh, I'll play it in a sec, but the Marge and Lisa, they don't get much interplay on the show to this point. So it's its also pretty cool. That feels like another feminine choice. I don't want to say everything like, well, a woman wrote this with her vagina, so they must have done this. But I think that Lisa comes across re- really kitty in this episode in an interesting way. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it seems very much like every interaction you remember with your parents when you were being kind of stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Which, you don't see a lot, of, a lot from Lisa, but she does get a lot of that in this episode. Mm-hmm. So sophisticated, just like Mary Hart. Fits like a dream, too. But we can't afford $90, even if it is a bargain. It wouldn't be right to buy something just for me. If it were a suit we could all wear, maybe <laughs> then. Come on, Mom, you never treat yourself to anything. Oh, sure I do. I treated myself to a Sanka not three days ago. <sighs> But this is a real fine. Just buy it. You don't have to rationalize everything. Hmm. All right, I will buy it. It'll be good for the economy. <laughs> yeah, I love Marge rationalizing. And also, just uh, like a glimpse into how selfless she is. Like, if it was a suit we could all wear, yes. then maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, my mom never... My mom also, she didn't buy stuff for herself very often. I don't think I ever really saw her buying stuff for herself until like like maybe a Leon Redbone cassette she could listen to on the way to work. It was pretty <laughs> rare. And I like that Lisa is kind of her gal pal here. Just like, come on, get yourself a dress, treat yourself. And in case you don't know what Sanka is, I assume it's still being made, but it's the most disgusting form of coffee. So A, it's decaf, gross. B, it's fr- it's freeze-dried. Yes. So that is not a treat for Marge. <laughs> she had the worst form of coffee. But somewhere in the Simpsons cabinet is Nescafe, which she's very, very sorry about. <laughs> That's though. right. Uh, yeah, you know, her standard, she hates Nescafe, but uh, Sanka's is high is a treat for her. That's weird. She had the most exotic flavor, though, Montreal Morn. Montreal Morn. And I have to say, like, I, I'm, I'm not a woman, but I have the... I have, I have had similar 
reactions to buying a a clothing item being like this is going to change my life it's going to really turn things around for bob mackie <laughs> this jacket yeah. is really going to do yeah. it i don't know why that has that has that effect on me but i've, I've mm-hmm. thought that several times and i've always I, been wrong i get that way about like thrift store stuff and anything i find on ebay i found a a 1989 Joker t-shirt from the first Batman movie. And I was like, people will stop me in the street and just compliment me all about this shirt. It never happened. I wore it. And I had to like beg people to look at it. Pretty cool, huh? Right? (laughs) Yeah. It was a a $70 t-shirt, which was Uh, insane. I actually, insane amount. I actually, I bought a, uh, a t-shirt. It was, it's part of the, only the Dennis Miller ratio will understand the joke, but it is a t-shirt of Smithers from the Simpsons arcade game, juggling bombs because in the arcade, game he is a mad bomber as he is in the show of course yes. uh to date no one has recognized that shirt even at our live shows and when i was walking to the train from our live show a drunk on the street walked up to me and said hey man uh food not bombs and i was just like oh, you could have at least said smithers somebody get this joke i paid 30 dollars for this t-shirt i love that shirt so much i also bought my own and ripped off bob style it was a different variant of the shirt though well as a wrestling fan i have a lot of t-shirts i can't wear because one of my favorite factions in japan is the bullet club mm. and now you walk around with a shirt that says bullet club it's like you don't know what this obscure group is i look like i just love guns <laughs> did like, you bury yeah. all did you bury all of your chris benoit collection uh those i didn't own any shirts of, okay <laughs> so my, my favorite wrestler is the stars and bars like no you can't do it can't <laughs> oh god uh and so mary hart that's uh, she was the longtime host of entertainment tonight she did for 29 seasons of its first 30 and retired in 2011 then I didn't know. I bet you did. I think you mentioned this before, actually, Bob. But the the stories of Mary Hart's voice giving someone seizures, like that, was a an urban legend or half true thing at one time. And it popped up on a lot of like sitcoms and cartoons because she it's was fun sort to of make like fun of seizures. I guess so. But I mean, I guess she was sort of like a Kathy Lee Gifford figure in that she was annoyingly chipper at all times yeah. and like she was too perfect. Well, she's a former beauty queen who oh, became okay. a, a TV show host. I, I, I that reminds me of that uh, that Seinfeld episode, obviously, where where that happened. To Kramer. I oh think. yeah, that's right. They they Very just got it right out of there. Okay, uh, but that yes, and also when Lisa demands Marge not rationalize it, she still does. She can't. <laughs> It'll be good for the economy. <laughs> so uh, then she shows it off to Homer, which I got this scene because I bring this up every time, usually depressingly on the show. But when Marge and Homer's relationship reminds me of my parents, it's always in a bad way, and this one especially my. My dad had this reaction to the idea of going anywhere and doing things. <laughs> you look great. Really? You like it? Oh, I'd love to wear this someplace special. Spurlock's Cafeteria, it <laughs> is. <laughs> what about the symphony or the theater? Oh, God. What's the point of going out? We're just going to wind up back here anyway. Aww. Yeah, oh. Spurlock's Cafeteria really puts an image in your head. Just yeah. a gray, bland, awful place. Me and my fiance uh, went to uh, rural Pennsylvania, did like a bed and breakfast thing, and we drove past this enormous cafeteria that we thought would be a lot of fun to go to, but we went to the parking lot, and A, the line was around the block, but B, we just got so intimidated by the, the people there that we were like, you want to go anywhere else i guess let's go anywhere else (laughs) was it mostly like surly truckers or what was happening there yeah it was a very like uh uh, it was a lot of families like everyone was looking at us as we were getting in line like there was a a lot of church groups a lot of gun groups Mm. the bumper stickers were out of control (laughs) uh so it's just like yeah we're this is sort of like 
it's like fun, but then it's like this might turn into green room at any minute. <laughs> you know you're in trouble when you go to a place and in the parking lot there's a car where someone has turned that into like a message board for their insane <laughs> beliefs, and you're just trying to figure out like what their agenda is. It's like there's so not d- enough space for more bumper stickers. Yeah. <laughs> To, I went unironically to at least one cafeteria as a kid, but my family more preferred buffets because cafeteria is like, I don't know, you pick and choose, but you just, you're limited to what you pick that one time. On a buffet, you can get all the slop you want all day. Mm-hmm. Like you just pay up front. But the only difference between my dad and Homer in that scene is my dad never complimented my mom. That's one. <laughs> that's, that's a difference there. But the, uh, but he definitely, my dad would, he would go out to eat places. That was, he actually went out to eat for to dinner most nights. He want, especially after he retired. That was the only time he left the house, though. If people go like, well, you could, you know, join a book club or you could do these things. Like, doing anything was... <laughs> my, my dad suffers from depression as well, <laughs> I think, uh, undiagnosed. That sounds like... That sounds about yes, right. Yeah, but... Uh, so then we get to see Marge. Uh, the PBS opera is quite a cute little gag and just her vacuuming and her thing. It's just, it's a sad look into her life as a housewife of just like, well, I guess I'll wear this doing my uh, routine then. And running errands too. She heads to the Quickie Mart and I do love Apu only now decides like, oh, you've got some money. Time to upsell you on these things. (laughs) Yes. Uh, In fact, another thing I thought of was, so in the episode, Sweet Seymour Skinner's Badass Song, uh, Apu's Quickie Mart is obliterated with the new gas pumps put in. He didn't learn his lesson, I guess, after rebuilding. Yeah. He's like, no, we'll have these gas pumps. And this time, no rockets will hit no them. Rockets. Yeah, I was kind of confused by that. I was like, I don't remember this being a gas station, but I think it's a sometimes gas station, I guess. If it needs to have a gas station, it will. But pretty much, I think maybe four times ever it has gas pumps. Yeah, if it's there for a joke. <laughs> and if it's there to be exploded or for a plot point, like an old friend of Marge showing up. Might I interest you in some of our impulse items here by the cash register? Perhaps a crazy motorized wiggle pen. <laughs> Look at the craziness. <laughs> Attendant, I'd like some gas. Yes, I'm sorry, I do not speak English, okay. But you were just talking to- Yes, yes, hot dog, hot dog, yes sir, no sir, maybe, okay. Well, I can't pump it myself. I'm calling AAA. I used to be a little overwhelmed too, but it's not that hard. I can show you. Marge, <laughs> is that you? March Bouvier from high school? Um, yeah, yeah. Hi, hi, Evelyn. <laughs> How about that? Marge, you look wonderful. And to think I heard you married Homer Simpson. <laughs> I did marry Homer. <laughs> Come, you must show me the pumps. That's great. I also, so the wiggle pen things, I, I thought of how, how huge they were when I was like in sixth grade and seventh mm-hmm. grade. Everyone had a wiggle pen. They were so cool. And then they suddenly went away and only later did I realize, oh yeah, kids were using those to masturbate with. So they, that's probably why they took oh, them away. Oh man. <laughs> My thing is, I love, I this shows you how great uh, of a person Marge is. Because I would, I actively avoid anyone from high school as best I can. So if I, if somebody came in, I would like go to the back of the Quickie Mart until they left. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm not. I don't mean to judge anyone out there, but whenever I hear someone's like talking about, you know, going back home and seeing their old high school friends, I'm like. Do they know something about you that you need to keep this connection alive? Like, I could not imagine uh, keeping those friendships alive. I don't particularly want to either. But I had I had that experience for, uh, until I moved away from my hometown at age 25. But until then, I worked at an AMC theater in a blockbuster video. And I would see people from high school multiple times there. And I felt he, I, I was working a job. Everybody works jobs. So I don't think I shouldn't have felt bad. But I did every time I was like, yep, I work here. Hey, <laughs> I'll take your yeah, orders. I, 
Yeah, I kind of feel the same. Like, I, I have friends from high school that I still talk to, but yeah, like if I see somebody that like I'm not prepared to judge my life against, I will avoid. <laughs> yes. I'll take the next train. I'll take the next elevator. Whatever it takes. And it's great acting by Julie there, especially like, uh, uh, hey, hey Evelyn, just like she's 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 uh, sheepish. She she's immediately sent back mentally to high school and feeling inferior to Evelyn, and it's. It paints a real picture of Marge being the have-not to the Evelyn and the other preppies haves, especially her line about, like, home shoe repair course. It's <laughs> like she she was the girl who had to learn to fix her shoes or to fix her clothes because she either had hand-me-downs or she can get new stuff a lot. And that's it's a bummer, <laughs> but also but funnily, humorously presented at least. Yeah, at least Marge has some basic life skills, unlike the spoiled rich that we see in this episode. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Apu doesn't get many jokes where he he isn't the butt of a joke that he gets to he's using his otherness to be like fuck you lady this is self-serve like yeah. you get your mm-hmm. own gas like I, I liked that oh no just a very knowing joke that he went to that mode immediately like, here comes this white lady that's yeah. just gonna bug me about whatever yeah well, and i'll play into what she thinks and he has a little sigh right before i'm like yeah, yeah don't i don't speak english like but the self-serve sign is so huge in the background like she should know to pump her own gas yeah that's that's a bizarre like there were uh there were like full service stations i don't even know i mean they have to exist in some places i've never lived anywhere with a full service station but i do believe new jersey like legally is is a self as a uh, full service state isn't it I live in New Jersey. You are not allowed to pump your own gas. It's just too dangerous. I mean, it keeps they, they, they will shoot you in the head if you try. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen Zoolander. We know what happens. <laughs> but yeah, I did want to say that in uh, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein's season, season seven and eight, they they treat Apu a lot better. I mean, he is still uh, the victim of a lot of othering jokes. But in this one, we see uh, he's using that otherness to his advantage. And then we have an entire episode about his immigration status later this season. They're treating him like as a human instead of like this weird, different person with a weird religion. <laughs> I do like how Tress plays Evelyn in that she's kind of she's definitely the idle rich and she's not active unlike some other women in the show she's not actively out to hurt Marge make Marge feel worse she's she's more innocently damaging to Marge she's like oh well we can be friends now right I don't see a difference between us we're just women right and that it's it's played with like a kind of like clueless effervescence of somebody who's she, she also after Marge pumps her gas for her she then just drives away. She doesn't even pay. She's like, well, what do you, you don't pay for things. Yeah. It's just, it's gas. I just got it. Bye. And I, she might have treated Marge differently if Marge was just dressed in her, in her green dress. Maybe oh, yeah. she's like, oh, you're, you're wealthy like me. We have, we have stuff in common. We can talk can to each other. She see her face because yeah. she sees she has a fancy clothes. That's true. Yeah. I had read that this episode was cut down or the script was cut down significantly. And I was kind of curious if Marge ever like tries to talk up what Homer is or has to like either lie or avoid what, you know, cause like you say that, I don't know. I, I would be. I would be pretty impressed if somebody worked at a nuclear power plant. I think. Mm, yeah, I think so. As I, long as you didn't say what Homer's role was. Yes. <laughs> yes. A nuclear safety technician sounds impressive. I Although mean, he has put the entire town at risk several times, so he should yeah. be famous at this point. They yes. should all know, like, yes. well, yeah, Homer, the famous. I mean, like three episodes ago, he prevented a Chernobyl with his big fat ass. Like everyone <laughs> should know about this. And at the beginning of the season, there was a manhunt for him. So yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> we can't acknowledge continuity on the Simpsons podcast. The it's me- dangerous. Well, the wa- uh, Evelyn is such a wasp. I could see her not knowing any news. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and then we get a cute little Burns joke. He knows how to drive his old-timey car, not the car that Smithers drives for him. (laughs) If it's a current car, he can't drive it. But if it's one that needs vulcanized tires and and petroleum gastulate, what's the... Petroleum distillate, I think. Distillate, yes. And I think uh, vulcanized means to, like, harden the rubber of tires to, like, a a sulfur-based process. (laughs) The the listeners need to know this. I love it. I'm sorry. Just one of those weird little jokes that makes me, like... I, I can't not laugh at that anytime yeah. I see it. Yeah, it's and so, the, out, the outfit's adorable. Yes. Just a driving outfit. It's so yeah. beautiful. Uh, so Marge gets invited to the country club, and everybody, no one else has Chanel, but they dress up as best they can in their Sunday best. Homer, I don't think you should wear a short sleeve shirt with a tie. Oh, but Sipowitz does it. If Detective Sipowitz jumped off a cliff, would you do that too? Oh, wish I was Sipowitz. <laughs> do I have to go? That country club is a hotbed of exclusionist snobs and status-seeking social climbers. I've told you, I don't like you using the word hotbed. Please, Lisa, we so rarely get to do things like this. And everybody, everybody, please be on your best behavior. Bart, no grifting. <laughs> oh, raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some sort of device in his in his wrist too. It's very impressive. Yeah. He's, Bart, that seems almost too smart for Bart. His grifting ability, though, he'll later learn about grifting in uh, that episode with Ed Harris in it, which ends with a surf contest because they couldn't figure out an ending. I think you mean Ed Norton. Oh, it was Ed Norton, yeah. not Ed Harris. One of the many Hollywood Eds. Uh, there's too many Eds. I tell you. I wonder if Homer likes that Sipowitz uh, because he was played by Sipowitz in the Fox original movie Homer Badman. Uh, so. <laughs> was he wearing the short sleeve shirt and tie in that uh, in that portrayal as Not well? Not the tie, but he okay. was he was wearing the Homer clothes. A Dennis Franz, I'm talking about here, folks. By the yeah, way, so well, I, I love looking at Dennis Franz's character from NYPD Blue as a style icon. Like the guy <laughs> was like a, a functional alcoholic and an abusive cop. You're like, that's the guy I want to dress like. <laughs> but he, I mean, he got his ass on TV. He was a pioneer. It's <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, got it. I also love that. Lisa Lisa gets some great lines in here with her uh, distaste for the higher class. And I especially though that Marge's main objection is that she uses the word hotbed. <laughs> apparently all the time he uses it like, stop saying hotbed. It's gross. Uh, so they arrive at the place. And that's where they get the we're not poor line, which is just like Marge wearing her uh, heart on her sleeve of just like, please, we're, we're not poor. Don't judge us. Like. Though the second those rich people see that their car, they're like, these are poor people. Yeah, these are the poor. It's evidence. And uh, they also run, almost run over Krusty, which poor Krusty gets a lot of hits in this thing. It feels, though it pays off with a pretty great gag yeah. later. So this next scene, which I call Marge meets the ladies who lunch. It's um, it's very, it has to break a record for the most women in one, most female voice actors in one Simpsons scene, I'd have to say. Oh, Marge, you made it. And you wore that lovely suit. Mm-hmm. Karin, Gillian, Elizabeth, <laughs> Patricia, Roberta, Susan, meet Marge. Pleased to meet you. You look like such a happy bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trouble with first impressions. You only get to make one. <laughs> that reminds me of a funny apron I saw. Uh, you know, Marge, your family doesn't have to stand in the alcove. They're free to enjoy the club. <sighs> uh, come on, kids. Let's go sit in a car till your mom's done fitting in. 
That's great. And uh, Bill Oakley complains complains on the commentary that no one gets the joke behind their names. And I mean, I think we all do. But the joke is they're all like yuppie variants on really normal white lady names. Like Karin is Karen. Gillian is just Gillian. Elizabeth is Elizabeth. Patricia is Patricia. And Roberta is Roberta. And Susan is just Susan. Like they just dressed up their names in like a fancy way. They had fancy. Well, I think some of them uh, maybe came from lesser status and then married rich so they have uh, to they're like well i can't change my name but let's just let's pronounce it fancier like how when somebody gets richer they start talking with a new england accent <laughs> or a or british accent i will out myself for only getting that the last time i watched it so <laughs> but it, it, it is a great joke because yeah it's just sort of trying to exoticize themselves even though they have these kind of like bland ass names. They, have, they very they very much do. I love the character of Susan. Yeah. She's, she's quite a, they give her all the best lines. She really, it is some real cutting stuff she says. She's like a real Dorothy Parker type, mm, Susan. Yeah. You know, man, if I could recast that role as a famous person, Christine Baranski, that's who I think uh, would play that perfectly. That's the only, uh, Stephen, if I may suggest a movie for this, <laughs> uh, but Bad Moms 2 or Bad Moms Christmas, not good. Not very good at all. <laughs> but the only thing I, I like... See, I, 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 I missed the whole Bad Moms franchise, actually, unfortunately. They just Is sh- the first one good? Better. It's better. <laughs> I mean, Kristen Bell, she gets to be really funny, and Katherine Hahn, very funny, too. And uh, but so at Bad Moms too, you get to meet the moms of the moms who are even badder. <laughs> wow! And it's Christmas time. the The shining jewel of the movie is Christine Baranski because she is just great as like the alpha mean mom. And there's a scene in it for no reason. Her character is not established to be good at singing and dancing in any way. <laughs> but but there's no way you're going to get pr- a Broadway legend Christine Baranski in a movie and not make her sing or dance. So when she sings a song, it's really I love that scene in it. You know, I wanted to see Bad Moms. But what's it about? I have no way of knowing. <laughs> I just, I can't, who could guess? I just don't. Well, know. the funny thing is that is the same sequel, which I think came out the same year as daddy's daddy's home too or whatever that's yes, basically uh, the same Wahlberg concept movie is. yeah it's like, and now you meet the dads of the dads and the moms of the moms <laughs> mm-hmm. same, same deal where they and same similar thing we're like well what's a famous older woman actor that could conceivably be the mom well we got her we've got Chris, susan sarandon and the wife from larry david curb your enthusiasm cheryl hines cheryl hines yeah so which she's actually pretty good look it's all great it's all great funny people in it in a film that they just are like, we got to shove this shit out for Christmas. It feels like they filmed it three months after the last movie was done. <laughs> Guys, don't go anywhere. We've got one more movie to film. Yeah, Christine Baranski is uh, on a list of people and properties that I love that are being held hostage by a CBS streaming service that oh. I will never purchase. Mm. Nope. Yeah. She, Hate it. Oh, that's right. She's on a spinoff show of The, of the Good on, Wife. The Good uh, Wife. The good, yeah. I think it's The Good Fight. That's right, yeah. I remember The Good Wife ends with her being slapped as kind of a torch passing to her being the star of the new show. (laughs) (laughs) The slap in the face was, by the way, you're only going to be on streaming. Ugh, oh. Poor Christine Baranski. She deserves better. I I feel like the writers pulled all their fancy pants Harvard friend names out of this for all the <laughs> all the wasps in there because I don't think many of the Simpsons writers came from like too high class themselves, but it's hard to not see at least like they got to end they got to operate in that world to a degree. When you go to Harvard, oh, yeah. like you, you meet, you, you're a Harvard graduate, you're part of that world a little. You meet all the legacy students, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> who don't, who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. You always, you also get, and I'm always uncomfortable when I see Ken Brockman's daughter. 
Yeah. <laughs> just she looks too much like Ken Brockman for anyone's uh anyone's liking. Yeah, yeah. No, it feels like he forces her to have her per- his perm. Like it's so <laughs> weird. And we don't see uh Mrs. Brockman unless it is Stephanie the weather lady who mm. uh he married. I Oh, and I also uh I also love Marge trying to be fun with them and like oh, that reminds me of a funny apron like these women don't own aprons. Yes. They've never bought one. They don't know <laughs> yeah. what it is. I just I love all the rich people being horrible and not realizing how horrible they are. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like in this scene. I won't eat anything unless it's shipped overnight from Vermont or Washington State. We order our steaks through the New Yorker. I have a sneaking suspicion that L.L. Bean and Eddie Bauer are selling me the same honey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, through the mail, but in a different way. Every month, good housekeeping arrives in my mailbox, bursting with recipes. Sometimes the most satisfying meal is the one you cook yourself. Hmm, that's very true, Marge. <laughs> One night, Whiff and I came home late, Whiff. and we decided not to wake Iris. And instead, we microwaved our own soup. Of course, it was a horrible mess, but Iris didn't mind cleaning it up. <laughs> Good. They're so worthless. This scene actually reminds me of just whenever I'm with a group of new people and I don't know them and I want to fit in. Even if they're not rich, I'm just like, I'm going to rehearse this thing in my head over and over. I'll say (laughs) to them, they'll be like, well, here's my fun perspective on this thing we're talking about. Just like nothing. Yeah, just empty. (laughs) I I got to compliment Roberta in that she she supports Marge. Like everybody could have just let that go so flat. Roberta is like. Yeah, it. Uh, I made food once. Yeah, <laughs> her husband Whiff, <laughs> Whiff, Whiff, and then the other one Thurston. Like those are just such great names. I just love that. And it it took me a second in this new viewing of it to be remember like, oh, Iris is their butler. They're not talking about yeah. a, a child. They didn't wake up. I do wonder do they do they wake her up to clean it or do they leave that at least for the morning for her to find i think it's implied that they did wake her up to clean it they yeah. inconvenienced yep. their live-in maid because they couldn't microwave soup at first they wanted to not they she wants credit for not waking up iris and then deciding no we will wake them yes. up and they're going to clean right now because not only can they not microwave soup they can't clean something up with like paper towels How it's just could they? it's beyond their knowledge it's and imp- skill sets possible oh god and just even the idea of reading good housekeeping to them is like this is insane yeah well, that, I, I just yeah i do love the kind of pinpoint accuracy of really nailing someone that has no idea what like what cooking is what like living in a house is or relating to a person who might do these things yeah it's not it's not that all of them like hate the poor but they definitely are like you're an they're you're alien to them it makes no sense it's it's not a particularly hateful look it's as nice as it can be to the rich in this i would say because like they're just innocent they're yeah. innocent idiots mostly at best they're naive yes yeah i also like that homer stole a bunch of towels i feel like he would have stolen many he stole many more things there i I still don't know what to do in that situation with the guy in the bathroom and i always hate when that happens like oh can you please just leave i don't want to have an i don't have any interaction in a bathroom like none at all i am not a bathroom conversation per we at the place bob and i just (laughs) left just when i say just i mean nine months ago (laughs) uh but when we left there we had a manager there who was just like he was a bathroom talker and if you went to the bathroom and he was in there he's like hey how's it going so let's talk i was like i really don't want to talk i need to pee and i don't want to talk to you like please yeah understand i'm in a kind of vulnerable state right now (laughs) releasing my waste into the to the sewer but but i do feel bad about the attendants who have to like they had to smell shit all day yeah all day 
That's the thing, but then I also don't want to like go into my wallet in the bathroom and like, what if I don't have cash on me? It's a bad situation. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. The, the, uh, but then uh, we get to see another bit of Marge's like class envy and class like anxiety. I thought it was so opulent, like the Playboy Mansion, mm-hmm. but non-sexual. That place hmm. is weird. A man in the bathroom kept handing me towels till I paid him to stop. Should have held out longer, boy. The rich are different from you and me. Yes, they're better. Socially better. And if we fit in, <laughs> we can be better too. Oh, it's oh, cutting. Yeah. Marge is immediately like, yes, they're better. Like, yeah, like, duh, they're different from us. They're better. Boom. And she has to walk it back a little bit, but, but she realizes what she says, and she's like, oh, wait, no, 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 I have to clarify this. I know. <laughs> that sounds sort of monstrous. <laughs> But she's she's been jealous of them the whole time, and she didn't realize it. Or maybe she's had to bury her jealousy because, honestly, she has no friends. Marge is usually written to have no friends. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, that again feels like a very like male perspective on the show of just like, well, if I'm writing my mom, I don't remember my mom having friends, so <laughs> why would I give her any? <laughs> well, I do wonder if that's, if that's somehow tied into what she's like striving for here. Like, here's a group of women she could just go and talk to. kind of doesn't exist anywhere else. That's true. She finally has this outlet. And if whether they're rich or not, she's like, I have a person to talk to who's not yeah. like creepy Maud Flanders. The beginning of the episode really underlines how she has nowhere to go and nothing to do and just yeah. sort of just is at the house or running errands. She has no social life and this is giving her a social life. Uh, then we get the difference between a bologna and an abalone sandwich and uh, then the bit of Lisa falling in love with ponies. It felt like it was the writers remembering oh yeah, Lisa liked ponies. We haven't done that in like a hundred episodes. There are a ton of callbacks to season three and season seven and eight and mm-hmm. that's uh, definitely one of them. Yeah, that she's just just she loses her class consciousness when she realizes, like, well, the rich do get ponies. Uh oh. <laughs> we we all have our thing that makes us lose class uh, <laughs> unity here and, and start and, and betray our class. Like like seventy dollar eBay t shirts. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Or or flights to Tokyo to see pro wrestling shows. <laughs> uh, next up, I love this gag here that they finally finally do a Homer brain joke with Marge. Yes, and they do like the perfect bit with it. I, I just love this. Huh? We've got a winning hand. We can take the rest of the tricks. Ooh, you better be careful. The purpose of this game is to make friends. <laughs> you don't make friends by winning. Still, there's nothing more popular than a gracious winner. Don't ask me. I'm just here. Your head stopped 18 inches ago. Mm. Queen of Hearts. I believe all the rest are ours. <laughs> well played. We could have stopped them if you had changed to a different suit. I thought perhaps changing suits had gone out of fashion. A eh, Marge? <laughs> oh, oh, no. Ouch. Yeah, it is the perfect uh, Marge brain joke, but they can never do another one. And they might have tried. But I also like the fact that Marge is sort of fitting in. She's less awkward. She has like witty bon, mo- bon mots. Yeah. Yeah. And that hair, I'm just hair, is quite a great thought of <laughs> yeah. Marge's too. They it also, it shows how much smarter she she is than Homer because she, she at least has the social understanding to try not to win, to win, to win over your betters. And that's like Homer's whole gag in this episode. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah. Trying to destroy birds. And she's good at gambling, unlike Homer, who's too slow to even uh, bluff <laughs> properly. And, and uh, so then we get the big guest star of this episode, who I have to admit, 
If it wasn't for The Simpsons, I wouldn't know who the hell Tom Kite is. I don't care who Tom Kite is. I did look it up, and he had a very long and successful golf career, though he holds, uh, he's tied for the record of most appearances in the Masters Tournament without a win. So oh, he's he's just like the villain of Happy Gilmore. I would he's, say. he's no Lee Carvello. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they ended, If I wonder if really the Lee Carvello joke is because they asked Lee Trevino for this episode and he turned him down. Maybe. And so they, then they're like, well, let's make fun of him. Uh, but yes, here's Tom Kite. You know, Homer, the traditional way to cheating golf is to lower your score. <laughs> That's one way. <laughs> I'm PGA Tour Pro Tom Kite. How about I give you a few pointers on your game? Now, you don't want to overthink. Not an issue. Keep your head down. Huh? Pretend there's no one else here. <sighs> and just go at your own pace. Wow, very impressive. You're a natural, Mr. Simpson. Really? Uh-huh. All you need is your own set of clubs. And stay the hell out of my locker. There is that awkward introduction line that we will hear in many later episodes. Like, I'm this person, and this is my yeah. profession. And I feel like that was, they were being very self-conscious about that. Like, well, people, I pe- most people probably won't know who Tom Kite is. I mean, mm. not, all, not everyone is plugged into the world of professional golf. Certainly not. <laughs> I, I do love the line, you can keep the shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. I missed that bit there. Yeah, you can keep the shoes. It has a nice little twang to him that makes those lines funnier. It also feels like Homer being a savant at golf is its own episode, and it's almost a wasted B-plot here. It, it feels like in a rewrite, somebody said, we need more Homer in this. You know, yeah, We got to get more Captain Wacky. It really was the Captain Wacky equation. I love this side plot, but it is like the like the exact opposite in tone mm-hmm. uh, to the, what has, is happening with Marge. So they find a fun way to connect it, I will oh, say. Oh, for sure, yeah. They do, yeah, it, it is weird to sort of like, and it also comes late, too. Too, right like we're like i don't know seven nine minutes into this episode and you don't expect to be plot. you're like oh i guess we're just gonna sit with homer while he yeah. has fun on the golf course deep into act two is when it shows up yeah it's kind of it is it is late for a b plot you in simpsons in the simpsons time frame here uh some dude executives like pull up pull up <laughs> too close. it's almost all about women <laughs> there's too much marge too much all the boys have turned this off already which i did i was turning it off or uh, as, a, as a young boy so maybe he was maybe my made up straw man of an executive is correct <laughs> um, uh, but I so then also Homer's reading a book Our Caddies Ourselves which is a parody of Our Bodies Ourselves a book uh, about women's health first published in the 1960s mm-hmm. just to explain explain that reference to everybody I feel really bad for Marge that she stays up all night to alter her dress like one that suit she loves that suit like it's it's her best outfit and she's destroying it or turning it into a good but different suit out of just like out of fear. And it's just I feel so bad for her. It's, yeah. it's really it's it's a, it's a real tragedy. There's a lot of desperation happening and she clearly cannot just find another suit like that. No way. No, but she's she can make that pink suit in anything. Though not the people didn't notice. Love your outfit, Marge. The best says, let's have lunch. Mm-hmm. But the culottes say, you're paying. <laughs> Why, thank you, Robert. Huh? <laughs> I found something more fun than complaining. <laughs> Marge, your family is fitting in perfectly here. If all goes well at Saturday's ball, I'd love to sponsor you for membership. Oh, that would be a dream come true. I'll be there with bells on. Bells? Mm-hmm. Where exactly will you be attaching them to that mangled Chanel suit? 
Uh. Oh, don't worry, Marge. Her idea of wit is nothing more than an incisive observation humorously phrased and delivered with impeccable timing. I'm <laughs> sure you'll be a smash at the ball, and I just know you'll have a lovely new outfit. That is a mouthful about her idea of wit, but Tress McNeil really sells it. And I love yeah. that Sue Sin is always having a drink with her. It's yep. very, like, she's very catty. Yeah, she's a, a functional alcoholic, really, Sue Sin. She's, she, I don't think she leads a very happy life. No, no, she can't. I also like the weird, the implication in, I know you'll have a new outfit. It's like, get a fucking new outfit. Yeah. yeah. Evelyn, Evelyn underneath it all is saying like, buy a new outfit. You yeah. must have, you have to have a new one. These are the rules. I'm implicitly telling you. <laughs> well, the weird thing I, I noticed in this kind of re- rewatching is the plot hole of like, okay, so they can get into this club, but the membership has to be extortionate, right? Like the, you know, yeah, they, meant, I'm sorry, go. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't afford this. Could they? No, yeah, that's like a $20,000, however like much a country club membership costs. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Sponsoring for a membership doesn't mean paying for it. It means that they just let you in and then you can pay the dues. That's why, I mean, that's why jerks at Donald Trump's things pay all those dues so they yeah. can take a dumb po- photo with an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that is a kind of a plot hole, but maybe Marge is so like bent on this and bent on this idea of like, I want, I want to have friends, I want to have social obligations and things like that, that she's pushing that very real concern out of her brain. Like, yeah. let's do one thing at a time. Think I want to get in. Later. Yeah. I'll get a business loan later. And, and, <laughs> and but also then we get to see Homer being a, a lavatory linksman getting bank shots into toilets, which again, this is a skill that Homer never had again it won't be remembered <laughs> like him and bart should really get to get like bart should help him with his putting game because bart is a master putter you're right as well i'm gonna call this bit here in line of the episode because i do honestly it's hard not to give it to burns every episode that's the joke hmm who is that lavatory linksman smithies homer simpson sir one of the fork and spoon operators from sector <laughs> 7g well he certainly got a loose waggle Perhaps I've finally found a golfer worthy of a match with Monty Burns, eh? Oh, his waggle is no match for yours, sir. I've never seen you lose a game. Except for that one in 74 when you let Richard Nixon win. That was very kind of you, sir. Oh, he just looked so forlorn, Smithers, with his, Oh, I can't go to prison, Monty. He'll eat me alive. (laughs) See, I wonder if this Homer Nixon is any relation. Unlikely, sir. They they spell and pronounce their name differently. Well, schedule a game and I'll ask him myself. God, oh, oh man! The Burns and it, the Burns thinks he's Homer Nixon, <laughs> and that then Smithers can't tell him he's wrong, so he's just like uh, they spell and pronounce their names completely differently. But you're not wrong. That's a great way to weasel out of tongues when they're wrong. Yes, yeah, I should try that in real life. <laughs> That has been, if I think that's actually my number one uh, actually uh, quoted Simpsons line of <laughs> we spell and pronounce our names differently because I get, are uh, you related to Pat Sajak so often? Like that's <laughs> that's kind of been my stock answer as to no. <laughs> wow. That is very true. That is useful, man. Also, uh, you're friendly on Twitter. He's a real crank. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, no, he's become, him and Chuck Woolery are like the alt-right guys of the 80s, who uh, game show host of the 80s who are now dicks. You think like 30 wheels of watching a wheel spin would mellow you out. You, you would think, you would think. Yeah, you just wake up laughing, you're Pat Sajak. Yeah. You've made billions of dollars doing nothing. <laughs> you watch somebody else turn letters and spin wheels, that's all you do. Right, he's not even turning the letters. Nope. Helping someone to spell, not even helping, but yeah. judging someone who yeah. can't get up to spell. Yeah. <sighs> we get to hear Burns is Nixon 
Washington impersonation, which is almost as funny as his Elvis one. I love his <laughs> yeah. Elvis one more. Like, Marsha Garza, Marsha Hound Dog. It's great. It's a great thing to ask uh, an actor to do a character doing an impression, but Harry Shearer really nails it. Yeah, he and does. it's great to see like Burns and Smithers like having a little joke together and like sharing <laughs> a laugh. It's very cute. I do like that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, according to Golfing for Dummies. A waggle is a motion with the wrists in which the hands stay pretty much steady over the ball and the club head moves back a foot or two, hmm. as if starting a swing. That is a waggle, folks. And it's also a gay joke when uh, Smithers yes. is appreciating Burns' waggle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm starting to wonder, man, if this is that we've had that Smithers is only gay because they wanted to make fun of some executive toady and be like, you're so gay for this guy. You're so gay for this Fox executive. Ha ha. We put it in show. And now Smithers has just become a gay icon on the show. Yeah. <laughs> he, naturally, he naturally evolved. <laughs> uh, but then we get to hear, yeah, like you said earlier, Homer's Homer believes that defeating Burns will make, like, really beat him good. That's going to get him that raise. And then we get kind of a real tragedy for Marge here again at the act break. If I beat Mr. Burns, I mean really wallop him bad. I'm sure to get that big raise I've been gunning for. All right, all right. But if you win, don't make a scene and dance around with your woohoos, please. Mm-hmm. We can't afford a single slip-up. They're judging us. <laughs> Mwah. Mwah. Mom, did you like horses when you were my age? Because I heard... I don't know. Lisa, tonight is very important. Mommy has to alter her suit so it looks like a totally new one. Mom, do you want to know the 15 reasons I like horses better than cars? What? Mm. A horse never has... I really need to concentrate on this, Lisa. Would you mind just... You know how a horse goes like this? Mom! I've already like altered this so many times. It's not impossible to... Mom! Lisa, please! That's really harsh. It is, uh, yeah. And it, it makes me think of being a kid and, um, you know, annoying my parents about some dumb Nintendo thing or some TV mm. show, and they would rightfully get mad, just be like, I, I don't care, but I can't get you to stop unless I yell at you. Yeah. No, I. it reminds me of, as a kid, explaining what sounded like the greatest comic book I ever read, explaining it in detail to my mom. And my mom eventually was like, I, I got to drive. I got to focus on driving. We'll, we'll talk later. I was like, but don't you realize how important this comic book was? I just read it. Uh, yeah, it, it's we've all been there. It, it's, it, it's a really well-seen bit. I also really love the bit uh, It's it, when Marge just, after that moment, it's a quiet second where she goes, times like this you can only just laugh and then she does not and they kind of hold with her for a really long time i love it, it yeah and that is the act break which is like usually act breaks going on a big a big moment or like a, a sh- like a gut punch but this is just like a very sad underplayed sad moment marge just staring into the distance of like well i've lost everything yeah i <laughs> won't get this and the way dramatically this works that you're supposed to think lisa is going to cause marge to screw up by distracting mm. her and if you're looking forward to her destroying the dress which it definitely feels like is about to happen on first viewing you think lisa is going to mess it up and then marge yells at her too much that would be the normal thing so i like how they mixed it up of like no marge yells at her 
for no reason other than just that she's annoying. And then she destroys it through her own action. So she can't even be mad at Lisa. She can only be disappointed in herself. (laughs) It's a, it's a great, it's a great change up on that there. Uh, so then Marge goes to get clothes. I think she was very, very stupid to go to uh, Patty and Selma. I was like, she should now. I I do like the few outfits she tries on uh, and their commentary about it. Well, one of them would imply that the, that Patty and Selma are twice as thick as Marge, which is like, look, they're heavier than her, but they're not, they're not, they're not like an ogre. That's true. That dress could have been from a dark, uh, darker period in their lives. Who knows? Perhaps. And another one of my favorites is this started off as a Halloween costume, but worked its way into my regular rotation. <laughs> I love that. And it is like uh, tight on Marge. I, don't, I want to know how, like, how Patty and or Selma yeah, squeezed into that. How could they possibly wear that? It It is way too tight on Marge. And it's yeah, it's it's a crazy outfit. I It also, though, reminds me of just like, well, Patty and Selma, are they either like frigid old ladies or are they dressing like... Um, uh, in very revealing clothing at nightclub all the time. Which which are they? Well, I think uh, Selma is at least man hungry, portrayed oh, as man hungry all the time. As we know, Patty had celibacy thrust upon her. <laughs> But uh, uh, but yeah, I just love that Halloween costume thing. But then uh, we get Burns versus Homer on the links. Beautiful day to be outside, isn't it? Rant on, Simpson. (laughs) But your vainglorious boasting will only add savor to my inevitable triumph. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So. Yes, you're in deep do now. So I had to point this out again. We can only do each episode once, so we have to make sure to get every reference. So I had to look this up. Byrne says, quit cogitating, Steinmetz. Uh, Steinmetz was a mathematician and engineer, and he was responsible for the development of alternating current. And he died in 1923, so Burns is very old to know about him. No, <laughs> yeah. 104-year-old was alive yeah. briefly with him. And he was a contemporary scientist when Burns was like a young man. Yes, yeah. And, and he worked in the electric field, which, you know, power, that's, he's related to it. But I'm glad you looked that up because I, I thought that as well. But unfortunately, there's a golfer in the, in the – it almost tricked me. I was like – Oh, there's a golfer named Steinmetz. That's who he's. And I was like, no, they won a championship the first time in 2007. So obviously, it's not that <laughs> reference. But I was just like, those were a lot of words. <laughs> yes, yeah. I I love that reference. While meanwhile, open face club sandwich is just it's real sweaty. I'm not a fan yep. of it. It's sweaty, but I appreciate how much work they went they put into finding every appropriate I don't know twist on words there. I guess so. Yeah. There's there's only so many mm, jokes you can do with Homer by season seven. But, uh, yeah, it, 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 we're working hard for that one. <laughs> I know it's it, Burns has to talk in ways he never would of just like an open face club, a sand wedge. The sa- okay, so when I watched this the first time, I'm not saying I'm the smartest viewer of all time, <laughs> but when I watched it as a kid for the first time, the second I saw Smithers, I was like, well, he cheats for Burns. Like that's not even a mystery. He just he does that anytime Burns does anything. It's true, yeah. It's, it's So it's weird they pass it off as like, oh, what a surprise. Uh, here's part two of the golf game. <laughs> oh, a cunning stratagem, sir. It's curving right toward the green, <laughs> and it's there. <laughs> he got to the green in one shot. Oh, can that old man hit so far? Now keep your head down. Ignore all distractions. 
and Tom Kite just runs away. <laughs> also, even though he's cheating, Burns is, is suspiciously not super weak to at least get the ball out of sight on his own. You know? For it even to go 100 yards, yeah. it's like you can't, this isn't a guy who can't crush a paper cup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the emery, the emery board hurt. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, but I do love Smithers. Smithers' way of talking is just so great. Of like, no, it wouldn't. He has, he has to. He has to narrate in some way that could possibly land on the green in one hit, which no like eighty year old could ever do that. It's it's just so ridiculous. But and it's yeah, but it is very much like a little kid. Like, wow, you really did it. It's <laughs> on the green right now. Good job. Uh, and and also, I love the bit. Uh, well, it's an understated joke that I only know because I play a lot of golf video games. No, me too. As long as they star Mario, I'm going to play it. <laughs> but but then Homer, I believe, has only one of each type of club. He has one wood, one iron, one wedge, and a putter. And those are the only clubs in his bag. Like, that's how cheap he is or where – I don't know where he got that bag of clubs from. But I also think making an animator draw every single club in a bag that's moving is a lot of uh, a lot to ask, which is why, yeah. like, in every Christmas special, they're like, we're doing four reindeer. We're not, we're not doing nine reindeer. <laughs> I appreciate when they animate the nine reindeer and stuff yeah. like in a Rankin bass one i'm like that's nine reindeer you did it <laughs> are you like pausing about one two okay yeah all right it, it's good uh, quality, <laughs> quality production uh so so we head back to ogdenville which is a very sad place if as folks may remember it was one of the cities destroyed by <laughs> the monorail though that's not the one marge visits in the episode that was not but ogdenville brockway uh, uh, brockway ogdenville and north haverbrook it uh, did not hit the outlet mall thankfully thank yeah. god or or it rebuilt in the uh in the dark <laughs> times afterwards but uh we get uh, we get another quick appearance by cletus here which is a pretty great callback yeah miss miss do you have a Chanel suit or any other high-quality clothes? No, ma'am, but we do have a shipment of slightly burnt Sears activewear coming in this afternoon. Yeah. Oh, I give up. What time and how burnt? <laughs> God, yeah, Cletus is constantly hunting for deals for Brandine. He's a very attentive husband, I brother. Think he, I think he just lives in Ogdenville, and he just <laughs> never leaves that store. <laughs> Yeah, the, you might want to wear this on your job interview. He's always looking for stuff. Right? Yeah, that's true. He's he's real supportive. You're right, Bob. He's he's always trying to help out his sister, mom, and uh, and yeah. Then we also get to see that Homer is really great. He's basically Happy Gilmore in this. Like his his especially his drive shot is just like this feels like a Happy Gilmore reference. The only reason I know it's not is because these writers would be too good to reference Happy Gilmore. They'd be like, no way. Also, I don't think the film would come out yet in, in February 96. I know, Stephen, you you know the pain of being corrected by things on a <laughs> podcast, so we don't oh, want yeah, to get this you, wrong. You can't, let, you can't let these sons of bitches have one little thing because they'll come right all over you. <laughs> Actually, February 16th, 1996. Whoa! But so it was right, this episode aired right before Happy Gilmore. We should keep wow. in mind it was written nine months before the air date, too. Yes, so. yeah, no, no, but I... But that's clearly it beat Happy Gilmore to it. So if anything, I'd say Adam Sandler ripped them off. Well, Happy Gilmore and Black Sheep in theaters. What a splendor of riches. Know, Cinematic right? gold. Uh, I have to go back to the beginning of this episode when we found out that uh, uh, Black Sheep beat Junior. Yes. That has to be the only time that Arnold Schwarzenegger was thwarted by a comedy. Wow, yeah, that's huge. yeah. It's, it was his mistake to try comedy again. Like, I, I think <laughs> yeah. it losing was the announcement of like, no, it's the 90s now. Like, you guys, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger aren't number one anymore with a comedy. It's not the 80s anymore. It's the rockin' 90s. <laughs> People want to see Rob Lowe. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you want to talk about sweaty? My God, that entire movie, every little joke. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, but uh, so then uh, we get. This is a little bit of a long clip, but it is Burns getting caught. What are you doing with this ball and all those other balls? Nah, nah there are no other balls. <laughs> uh, just these uh, reptile eggs. Oh, step away! They're endangered. <laughs> These aren't reptile eggs. You've been cheating. No matter where Mr. Burns hit the ball, you put a fresh one on the green. <gasps> cheating? For me? <laughs> Good Lord, Smithers, that's patently unnecessary. <laughs> I'm one of the world's finest golfers. In all the years you've caddied for me, I've never lost a... Ooh. <laughs> no, you're not the best golfer here. <laughs> Wait till I tell everyone about this. You stink. Homer, Mr. Burns holds a lot of sway at this club. If you would keep quiet about the alleged decades of cheating, I'm sure he'd support your application for a membership tonight. Well, Hunky, I don't care about joining this stupid club. But does your wife? Oh. Ah! Oh! I knew my kind wasn't welcome here. Oh, no. <laughs> He's talking about clowns, of course, yes, right? Yes, of <laughs> course. Uh, clowns are famously not allowed in country clubs. No. <laughs> Almost yeah. positive that's cut out in syndication. Oh, it's such a great joke. Yeah. It, obviously, the joke is that Krusty is Jewish and that he's uh, that, that they don't allow Jews in clubs nor in waspy clubs until relatively recently. I also uh, I just love Homer's dance. It's such a kid yeah. dance, singing every word. It's so beautiful. <laughs> uh, tell everyone about this. I also love Burns's masterstroke. Does he have like a dossier on Homer about what is going on currently in his life? Like, yeah, your wife wants to be in this club, and we we have the information. That's true. He. Uh, just a few minutes ago thought he was Homer Nixon and now knows that his wife wants to get into the club. He should uh, really remember again that uh, he thought uh, Homer killed or tried to kill him too. There's a lot There's a lot going on here. We, he, we can't acknowledge. He has definitely forgiven Maggie for shooting him at this point. That is for darn sure. And, and all, though so cartoony in this scene is the lump on Smithers' head. It's the one thing I'm like... You don't have to draw the same more. It's just very distracting the rest of the scene. He has a big, like, basically if, when Goofy gets hit with a frying pan type of lump <laughs> on his head. Yeah, it's disturbing, like, poking through his hair, too. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I also am curious, like, they really went to town on that Foley artistry of a golf ball in the mouth. Like, that is just, it's a brand new sound, man. Somebody went somewhere with it. Yeah. They're really good. The sound folks on The Simpsons are really great on getting specific sounds for that kind of stuff. Yeah, especially on our podcast, when we just hear the audio, you pick up on a lot things that you don't when you're being distracted by an image it's pretty great yes. and and that homer homer would have happily killed a, an endangered reptile egg <laughs> in, in this test here and two that i i like the lawyer speak on smithers where he's like alleged decades of cheating yeah like he's he's not admitting to it he's like maybe <laughs> and the homerness of forgetting the reason why he's playing with Burns in the first place was for a promotion. Oh, right. yeah. Right. For the promotion. Homer, man, this Homer isn't very smart. <laughs> no, not at all. Wildly out of character. <laughs> uh, so then Marge drives to a seemingly Rodeo Drive to, to it's buy true. a taxi. It's like Capital City, do you think? Or? That would fit. That would that would work, yeah. I, I like that in the in the uh, continuity of the show. And man, is it a nice dress she gets. Like It's a very well-designed, like fancy dress that definitely looks like it costs over $3,000. Well, she said it costs $3,000. $3,300. Wow. It was a specific amount uh, because that's the store credit they'll get later. <laughs> that's believable for 1996. Oh, yeah. Say. And uh, she debuts it and nobody nobody is doubtful of it, She, but she's already so 
she's on edge immediately. I also love that Bart gives her the uh, the three snaps from Men on Film, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty great. Uh, but so, yes, this is Marge debuting her new dress. Oh, Mom, you are looking fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look great. You can do anything with that sewing machine. No, I can't. Come on, let's go. You mean it's a new dress? Where did you get it? The outlet store. Wow, two finds in one store. What are the odds? Call it Faye. Let's go. How much did it cost? A dollar. Let's go. We taxed her without. Without? Let me go. So we taxed how much was it? Why do you always have to question everything I do? Mm. You look nice is all. Yeah, it's funny if you go back to that, uh, just the dialogue there. At first, like, Marge is not wanting to lie to Lisa. She's just like, um... She's kind of gives like a white lie. Like yes, yeah. it, it doesn't. My sewing machine doesn't do that. Like let's move on. Like mm-hmm. you, you know where this is going. At least keeps asking questions. <laughs> and she's just getting madder and madder. Like why? Why do you have to ask this? I feel guilty. I just spent our life savings. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> like why? Marge. Marge knows she's she's being very selfish here. Which it's uh, you know I I get it. She she's never had friends before. Like she's got she can't lose them. <laughs> There's so much at stake for Marge. Uh, she she and she dreams. Like I did like that line about you had you had your debutante balls and skinny dipping. The Marge knew she do both did both of those things and just like you were you were you you were aware of those things and wished you did them. It's mm-hmm. like I feel bad for Marge that she never skinny dipped in in high school or college. Huh? Yeah, it's a little bit of like trying to re, re, regain that too. Like just specifically Evelyn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this specific woman's point of view means so much to marge at Mm. this point yeah and uh so then they arrive there and marge doesn't want them to drive up so everybody will know how poor they are so they're (laughs) getting they're forced to walk there which she's gonna ruin that dress on those sprinklers like they're Uh, right there bad idea uh but then she uh she yells at the family in the low point of the episode I'm going to regale everyone with my anecdote. You know the one I tried to say on the radio? <laughs> Who's going to bleep me this time? I'm going to pose as an Italian count and get some old lady to leave me all her money. <laughs> I'm going to ask people if they know their servant's last names, or in the case of butlers, their first. No, no, no! Not tonight! No vulgarity, no mischief, no politics. Just be gone! <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. I'll behave. I won't say anything controversial. I just won't say anything, okay, <laughs> honey? Oof. You kids should thank your mother. Now that she's a better person, we can see how awful we really are. Even Maggie gets it in that clip. Just for <laughs> just for the pacifier, just making noise. Yeah. Like yeah, I I do love Homer's who's gonna bleep me this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this episode and I think it's a very well done episode, but I feel like the one line that makes me cringe is Homer's um clearly done after the fact ADR off screen line about uh Marge, you know, now that she's a better person. It feels mm-hmm. feels like it was recorded on a different day and it feels like it was put in after the fact and I feel like it's too uh it's too self aware. I mean Homer should not be this smart, I, at least in, in this situation. On the commentary, they say they changed it real late. Yeah. That it was, I think originally, it just was in the music, and you can feel Marge's change of mind. As she approaches the place, she then realizes, I don't want this. But maybe, my theory is that they realized that it, it wasn't obvious enough. They're like, no, we can't. 
we can't leave it too unspoken. We got to have a a line from somebody has to make her realize it. So they just kind of mm. cut to Homer off screen saying a very clear line that like it doesn't sound like Homer means it. He's not like passive aggressively saying this yeah. to Marge, but it's still it's it, it's emotionally a different a little uh, doesn't work as well. I'd say. Oh no, that's the weird thing is because the last thing that she hits is Maggie. She mm. turns around, then Homer says something. And then she goes back to Maggie first. You know what I mean? So like mm. the real move, the, the movement of the scene is her feeling bad about snapping about Maggie. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. They should have kept it on Maggie. Maybe if she'd even heard just like the pacifier noise behind her, she would have realized like, what am I doing? I just yelled at a baby about this. That could have been like, the original cut. Let's petition Fox to change this episode. Make it better. Uh, <laughs> All right. First, we'll get the Snyder cut of, of Justice League. Get that out of the way. And then... We'll no, get this cut. We've no. got a whole manifesto here. We got a lot of things to go through. <laughs> no, you can keep that Snyder cut. Oh, so you can keep it all. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, so I, I kind of wish it was a different realization. But I do like when Marge comes back. She she apologizes to everybody, and I especially like that Bart doesn't realize he's kind of being insulted there. With like, I like Bart. I like Bart. And he just kind of smiles like, yeah. That makes me think of the the first aired episode, the Christmas special, when she's writing to, I forget who she's writing to, and she can't think of a thing to describe uh, Bart with. Oh, like, yeah. It's uh, their Christmas letter. Yeah. Like, well, we love Bart. Yeah. Like, that was kind of, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's a bit of a callback. But Marge explains why she changed her mind. Homie, I like your in-your-face humanity. <laughs> I like the way Lisa speaks her mind. I like Bart's... I like Bart. <laughs> and I like my old green dress. I didn't have to spend our savings on this stupid game. <gasps> our savings? Don't worry, I saved the receipt. We'll have a $3,300 credit at Chanel. Damn beer and gum, right? <laughs> Come on, let's go. I wouldn't want to join any club that would have this me as a member. It's okay. Those snobs never would have made us members anyway. But I wonder where Marge could be. She's missing her own initiation. I hope she didn't take my attempt to destroy her too seriously. <laughs> Where's Homer? Oh, and to think I spent all afternoon baking him this cake. Mmm. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> Boy, you know, Sue Sin is very troubled. Yeah, she's a very troubled woman. <laughs> uh, that she says it out loud. She's like, "Oh, I was trying to destroy him. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, destroy her." I, I also like that cake must taste so bad that Smithers would he would hide it if he could, but even he's like, like that. His involuntary, like, he can't feign enjoying the cake. It's great. great. Yeah, I wonder what it's birds a, pickled the figs in. I wonder. <laughs> it's a tremendous delivery by Harry Shearer. The yeah, yeah noise. I love it. I kind of like what I love about this ending is it. Um, it turns around like it, I just for some reason when I was watching this, it, like the married with children way of ending this would sure. be. Like going back and fighting the people. They always ended in a rumble for some reason. Yeah. Or like going back and like telling everybody off. It's like, no, they just kind of have their own. Those people aren't involved in your life. You just move on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, most of them, most of Married with Children end with like, this would end with a pie fight. 
or <laughs> or like someone humiliating a rich person like yeah. like stripping them naked or something and i think ultimately sue sin was the only one who was actively uh, trying to destroy marge the yeah. rest were just sort of naive rich people who marge <laughs> had to spend too much money to fit in with uh, i did want to list uh, two references here before we forget them so marge saying uh, the thing about any club that want, would want this me as a member reference to famous groucho marks line yes that yeah. was uh reappropriated by woody allen in the film annie hall <laughs> thank you yes annie hall <laughs> that yes, is that yeah. is the famous one um <laughs> I, I i was sure as i started that sentence i'm like i'm gonna say the name of it <laughs> and uh, uh <laughs> we didn't say what this episode title is based on which i i neglected in my notes mm. it's uh the 1989 movie scenes from the class struggle in beverly hills ah yeah okay. which I'm, i have never seen me neither Nope. Uh, <laughs> directed by Paul Bartel of the film Chopping Mall. Whoa. Whoa. Wait, wow. Now I want to watch this. He made Chopping Mall and a movie about social commentary? <laughs> I'm sorry. He, he's a cameo in Chopping Mall. My apologies. Oh. My apologies. Uh, man, that's. I was wondering if Garrett Graham would have been in that too, just like Chopping Mall. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, also the... Uh, I I guess Evelyn. It was nice of her that she was gonna let Marge in. It was. It felt like kind of an undercutting of the idea of like, yeah, no, the wasps were ready to invite them. It was not gonna be a Carrie style humiliation of Marge. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they aren't. They're I guess they're okay and naive, but also they just still think Marge is rich. Like if mm-hmm. if Marge had revealed any part of her actual life to them I think they would not be as welcoming she's done a yeah. very good job of hiding the car teaching her family to act different not revealing too much about her personal life that's true Oh, but now that he's got the goods on Burns he can actually extort Burns for the membership fees itself so he oh. could have done the whole thing oh that's true god we missed that yeah well now Homer has no reason not to tell everybody that Burns is a cheater <laughs> at the club so though I'm sure it just disappeared from Homer's <laughs> mind after this he's, he immediately forgot it yeah. <laughs> but uh, so then we get the ending which honestly squeaky voice teen kind of shits all over the, the message at the end of this here. I love just how long he goes on. Yes. Hey, did you guys just come from the prom? <laughs> sort of. But you know, we realized we're more comfortable in a place like this. Man, you're crazy. This place is a dump. Oh, man, I'd be anywhere except this place. That's for sure. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I uh, I feel like again. I think we all mentioned this, but it's one of these episodes that uh, when it aired as a kid, you're like, well, this was a this was a rather boring, a stale affair. Yeah. And now you're an adult. You're like, oh, okay. I there's this, there's a lot of nuance on this. I can enjoy the Homer uh, golf stuff too. But I really <laughs> like this portrayal of Marge. This examination of Marge's fairly empty and sad life and her attempt to fix it. As a 13 year old, after seeing Sideshow Bob almost blow up the <laughs> entire city with a nuclear bomb. This is a much quieter type of episode that was hard for me to enjoy as a kid. It was definitely one that I maybe wouldn't fast forward through. It would just be like, I'm waiting for this episode to end. I don't like this ending. But now as an adult, I, I appreciate it a lot more. Like this was not this was not an episode for a kid. Like this this isn't which may be why they were uh, weird about it as well, because as Bill Oakley said many times, like this was secretly a kid show. Like yeah. this was not adults weren't watching it. Simpsons wasn't cool, uh, cool to adults that time. Yeah, it's a real like. There's a lot of meat on the bone on this one, which mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate. Like, again, I, as a kid, yeah, I would probably I would want more uh, more Homer golf or more or anything like Bart doing more stuff at the country club. But I really just sort of it it feels like an episode that wouldn't be made in in the later seasons where mm-hmm. it, and not as kind of stale or dry as the early early episodes, but kind of. Nice in the middle where there's a lot of, of those great snappy season seven jokes, but also enough weight that's like, oh, it's a real episode of television with acts and stuff. 
Yeah, there's a lot of self-control in that they don't let Homer take over the show when he easily mm. could have been. He could have been the resolution. There could have been a lot more of the golfing stuff. Mm. It w- they, they felt it necessary to have that more wacky stuff in the show, but I feel like there was still some self-control involved. I mean, in multiple scenes, Homer is literally standing back from the scene. <laughs> yeah. Just like, well, if he was if he was standing next to Marge, he would have said a funny thing to Evelyn. Like, mm-hmm. they kind of need to keep Homer separate from all of the ladies because then it would just be them going like, what a disgusting man. Like, get out of here. You're yeah. gone. Like, He's sequestered for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you remember that time when Marge tried to make friends and Homer ran in with a skunk like, oh, it's making a funny sound again. Oh, it's doing it. <laughs> and a no fat chicks t-shirt. Yes. While being sprayed with a skunk. Uh, classic. But yeah, a great episode. I yeah. Would say. Uh, so Steve, uh, where can we find you? I know you're, you've got a Patreon. And again, like Henry and I, we love, we hate movies. I've been a fan forever. And like, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we are uh, at whmpodcast.com. Uh, our show is called We Hate Movies. You can find that on Apple and Stitcher and all sorts of stuff. We do have a Patreon uh, where we give it. We, we, give, we don't give anything away on the Patreon. No, we, we, you pay for it. No, uh, the Patreon, uh, You we have uh, an animation damnation uh, for people who like cartoons. We do uh, a monthly kind of take, we hate movies-esque takedown of a, a classic kids cartoon show mm. that we grew up watching and or uh, if you can go uh, to a higher level, we uh, do a, a whole other episode of a movie. Uh, we've done some on, one on Bright, on Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, uh, a bunch of stuff there. Uh, so patreon.com slash we hate movies. Yeah, actually, I, I liked how when, uh, so you guys did an episode of Bobby's World for Animation um, <laughs> Damnation. And when I tweeted that we did one for our cartoon show, you were, you responded with, ew. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's a gross one. Which is a, uh, I, I, it's. It's kind of a, I, I watched so much of that show as a kid, though. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I felt special because I think you is a very, uh, very familiar Stephen Sadak catchphrase on We Hate Movies. <laughs> uh, and my other favorite one is 24 by 7, uh, the mangling yes. of 24 7 that you've made your own. <laughs> I think yeah, Andrew uh, uses two it. Two crackheads were arguing outside of my apartment and. One said that she was always someone, some unforeseen third person was always harassing her 24 by 7. Well, you'll be happy to know I use that in my everyday speech and I just confuse the hell out of people. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Uh, So, yes, thanks again to Steven Sadak. And I can't stress this enough, people. I cannot stress this enough. We Hate (laughs) Movies is, I think, the best bad movie podcast. And they're like literally. 300 episodes you can download at this point. So, like, just go in, dive in if you've never heard it before. Uh, they're all good guys. And I think they put on a really good show. And Steve was great to give us some of his time. They're very yeah. busy, too. Oh, what a fun guest. I liked him a lot. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I am also now a, a We Hate Movies convert. It is my favorite bad movies co- podcast, bar none. It's so good. So, yes, as for us, I have been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. And my other podcast is Retronauts, which I was happy to hear that Stephen likes. That's great. Yeah. That's great to hear. And you can find that at Retronauts.com. Or you can look for Retronauts in your podcatcher. It's a classic gaming podcast. We've been going on since 2006. I say dive into our catalog as well. We've got 300 plus episodes covering almost everything ever. So just download something that looks like something you'd like and you probably will like it. And I can also say that this podcast is completely supported by Patreon and our lovely patrons. So if you go to patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, what you'll get at the $5 level, a very popular level, is you'll get Talking Simpsons a week ahead of time and ad-free. That also goes for the What a Cartoon Show. That's our discussion of every cartoon ever. So every week we do a, a different episode, a different cartoon. If you subscribe to the $5 level, you'll get that a week ahead of time and ad-free as well. And Henry will tell us the numerous 
numerous bonus podcasts you'll get on top of that at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons oh boy bobby there is a bevy of uh, exclusive things there i'm going to start with our most recent exclusive we do talking futurama where we're going through the entire first season of futurama you can hear the first episode free on this feed uh, the the free simpsons feed but if you want to hear all the other 12 they're released every friday on patreon.com slash talking simpsons and you get access to that for five dollars or more a month and you'll also get access to talking critic where we went through every episode of the critic all 23 that includes the awful webisodes <laughs> and there you can listen to our awesome interviews we talked about the bill oakley second interview many times but beyond that we interviewed mike scully former executive producer of the show mimi pond the first woman to write an episode of the simpsons and the first episode of the simpsons not to mention dan graney the creator of the word Embiggen, who wrote on this season and 22 after that <laughs> and so many more awesome interviews on there not to mention if you like cartoons we also interviewed ian jones cordy the creator of okko and former executive producer on steven universe and also if you, more. <laughs> if you go to ten dollars a month you get access to our monthly special video where uh the most recent ones we have gone through the shorts the original shorts of the simpsons all three seasons we only have one uh video left to oh, go no. through them all and uh and also there's the season wrap-ups we went through every at the end of each season we did a wrap-up of our favorite episodes ads that aired during that any news that happened during it it's really fun and starting with season five and six we did a delete scenes roundup as well where we went over the deleted scenes that are on the dvd whoo that's a lot to go through it's only gonna get longer and henry will probably die during one of these plug segments but i have to say one other thing about this though <laughs> that makes it easier than ever to listen to podcasts is that when you sign up for patreon you get an rss code you plug that into whatever you use to download podcasts and they will just download automatically just like all of your other stuff you don't need to listen mm -hmm. to the patreon app you don't need to listen through chrome or net uh netflix no netscape wait no no one uses netscape firefox Nuts. i call it nuts great <laughs> that's great microshaft internet exploder uh, i'm on the internet in 1996 by the way but yes uh, it's so easy once you sign up you can just integrate it into your podcast life and that's the best part about patreon podcast but thank you so much for listening folks we'll see you next week for bart the fink later infotainment.